Because we're recording on a very important holiday, I figured uh, to match up with it, which me and you both having our issues on top of the fact that like, you know, I'm still hitting that grind. This is the um, dad bod squad tonight. The dad bod squad. <laughs> Especially when we get to the main event, we'll talk about the king of the dad bod. Um, but that's the... Uh, that's what we're talking let's not let, let's not waste any time like, let's get into it okay because <laughs> i because i because I, I just watched this match yes and i guess we should do some sort of intro to it but uh today we're going to be reviewing dominion and talking about the g1 climax blocks and frankly everything else is secondary because i have a lot of feelings about the main event from Dominion. So let's go get right into it. Right. Because it's Okada versus Chris Jericho. Uh, you tell me the positives of this match first, because I feel like this is going to go on for a while. Okay. Um, the positives. Um, felt like a fight. Big draw. Crowd was into it. Um, I felt like one of the biggest arguments. Okay. okay. Well, so hold like, on. Right, let so me right, finish. Right. Let, no, 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 no. Let me finish what I'm saying. The <laughs> biggest positive you could take is that a lot of people are pretty fucking harsh on Okada for being um, formulaic. I feel like Jericho pushed Okada outside of his comfort zone in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? He made Okada do things that he would not normally do and also made like the structure of the match go outside of Okada's comfort zone. So like there's a lot of that. That said, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of major issues, especially I would say with Jericho being, if you want to talk about formulaic, I feel like people overlook the fact that Jericho now is like really formulaic, hitting the same sp- high spots repetitively, comparatively. Like, but there was a lot of cool stuff that felt like it came out of nowhere. There was a lot of times where Jericho felt, or not Jericho, Okada felt out of his element in a ways that you haven't seen from him in a very long time. So, yeah, that would be, like, my biggest, like, positives for this is that it, there was violence, there was aggression, and there was, if you want to see Okada being tested more than he has been in a long time, this was probably the best example of Okada being tested. So, are we sure people were into the match? The, uh, the crowd, wanna, you mean? I, I just, I'm, I'm the crowd, yes, the, live, the well, crowd that was in attendance. Are, are we... Are you sure that you're committing to that? No, I mean, yes and no. I mean, they're buying tickets. That's the the hardest part about Jericho is that I don't get it. I don't, I'm not excited about going to see Jericho personally, but the crowd, the people keep buying tickets for Jericho main events, you know? And like, it's really hard to argue that Jericho is not a draw when his big matches keep selling out buildings and setting records in buildings. So like I don't think I don't, I don't think I'm not saying I don't think I'm saying that he's not a draw like but but I, what, like I do yeah. I, I do yeah I do want to say that like yeah it's shaky because it, when it, do the crowds stop coming you know mm. because this is what they get and I get what you're saying there because if they keep coming to the shows and they keep getting this and they're not necessarily super hyped for the match in the moment then when do they stop showing up but until that happens it's really hard to argue that he's not doing something right. And it's and it's not even it's not even like my standpoint there because at the end of the day, look at who he's wrestled against. Now, I think the only real test of Jericho's drawing power would have been that title match against Evil last year. 
But look who he's been up against. He's been up against Kazuchika Okada, Kenny Omega, and Tetsuya Naito. Like, and his next match guys... is Tanahashi, right? So right. Yeah. So so like so again. But to be fair, wanna... I mean Tanahashi has not drawn against lesser opponents. Like there is something to the fact that even if you don't think Jericho's a draw, he's at least enough of an intrigue that people want to go see him wrestle these people. Right. Right. So I get what you're saying, but yeah, I mean, like an Okada Fale main event for a, a tournament like in a G1 doesn't necessarily sell out even a small building, right? Like we've seen that happen. Mm. So Okada Jericho here sells out a bigger building and not only just sells out, but sets records in a bigger building. You know what I mean? So there is that argument. Again, like I said, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself like a Jericho stan or anything. I'm not like super into Jericho, but he continues to sell. I think that his matches work for what he's doing. And until he like steps out of his comfort zone, which I think is like the weirdest part about arguing against him. Cause you know, we're the dad bot squad tonight, which is like, you know, Jericho is the king of the dad bod. But there's also, like, the only person who I've seen fucking call it out. But, like, in the Jericho Omega match, which we reviewed, I talked about how, like, physically they didn't look that much different. Like, Omega might be a little bit leaner, but realistically their bodies look pretty close to the same. Like No, with... no, and anyone that pretends like Jericho is in horrible shape is lying to themselves. Right. And the only person not. who for, I've... For, 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 oh. for a guy his age, he moves and still and still does all that stuff, like, extremely well. He like, still hits the fucking well. lion salt, like, like a dream. Like, he still hits the lion salt every time, which I, I heard Cassius Ono say it once where he's, like, talking about the shit that he can still do and people question it at his size, and it's like, well, yeah, my body but, gets but used like, to it, I just keep yeah. doing it, and, like, Je- that's Jericho, like... He's just his like his body is just physically used to doing certain things that like it's why it's why LA Park it's why LA Park can still do a fantastic tope every yes. every other time he, every every other time he decides to try right because that's despite how much weight you gain when you're someone that, that that's athletic or you get used to doing a certain thing you can keep doing it yeah your body can just kind of follow through with that motion that you're that it's physically used to but like jericho here and like i said the only person who i can give credit to for calling it out at any point in time would be brock talking about that like kenny omega when he turned to a heavyweight added like 20 pounds of weight to his frame that just makes it look not great but like jericho and kenny omega have the same body like i could you could argue that kenny is a little bit leaner but realistically the height the thickness everything else about them is like very similar and i don't hear people talking shit about kenny omega like i said the only person i'll give credit to is brock for like calling it out that he he's just doesn't look the same but like everyone is saying that jericho is out of shape and looking shitty but in this match i didn't see a single spot or anything that was blown because of jericho being out of shape you know what i mean like did Mm. you see anything in this match that was because jericho wasn't in shape like no there was nothing that looked sloppy or bad because of jericho And, and, and and that's been my thing about jericho for years though is that going back to the aj styles matches in 2016 i always said those were good matches now AJ might not, I mean, you know, Jericho might have might not have been able to keep up with AJ at the pace that AJ can work, because AJ's a super worker, and that's never necessarily been Jericho. But Jericho wasn't that far out. Jericho didn't look didn't look blown up in matches or anything like that. And he doesn't. It, it feels like yeah, and he doesn't go past what he can do. Like people act like he does, but he really doesn't. You know. So. The reason why I asked about was the crowd really into this is watching this match, it feels like they had the crowd and then as Jericho's control segment just kept going and going and going and Jericho's control segment is really weird. Like he does a whole bunch of like 
really impactful spots, but none of them really mean anything or get any kind of reaction. For his for his control segment, he's over here doing his old WWE comeback of uh hitting hitting the crossbody and the running forearm and all that stuff, and it's like 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 you like you haven't tailored your offense at all. You haven't made any attempt to adjust your offense at all. And I thought that was really glaring during during the match. And this is gonna be my main thing here is that the match isn't bad. Mechanically, it's all right. There are fl- there there are flashes where you see that there could be a that there could be a pretty good match in them. I really like the eye poke spot at the beginning where Okada does this uh, cocky chest pat and Jericho pokes him, pokes him in the eye and goes right after him after that. I really enjoy the part where Jericho is kicking Okada, talking shit to him, and Okada just bulls up and starts beating the shit out of him and yelling at him in the corner. I think there's a good match in there. I think what it gets lost in is eventually they, eventually they do try to do a New Japan finishing stretch. And realistically, we talk about Jericho's limitations, and that's one of them. Jer- that's just not Jericho's thing. He's not he's not a finishing stretch guy anymore. I think he can be very interesting in the beginning or middle stages of a match, but a finishing stretch is just not it's just not a spe- not a specialty anymore. And I would have been I would have been fine with that. I would have been all right with okay, they're sort of average, decent for most of the match, and then a the finishing stretch isn't great. But you know what? Fine, maybe three stars, something like that. And then we get to the finish. And I'm a fan of callbacks. If anyone listens to any of the content I've done the last few years, callbacks are like my favorite thing ever. Mm-hmm. And the finish here is Jericho goes for some sort of pin. And Okada traps his legs and kneels on him the same way he pinned Kenny Omega in the first fall of the two or three falls match last year at Dominion. Right, which is a really good callback and a really good point about where this match is in the sequence of Jericho as a wrestler. And I, again, I'm someone that I'm, callbacks are usually my thing, but why did this callback happen? Why was this necessary? In what way did it make sense? And that's and that's sort of where I am with this, and where I am with Jericho I as mean, a whole. It makes sense uh, because uh, this is the first fall of a three fall match between Jericho and Okada. Like that's, I think that's the point. Is it's a bigger picture thing, and and I get where you're coming from in that like in the context of New Japan, it's it's not really worked this way. But I really. I heard someone say, like, Jericho is working like a Lucha Brawler gimmick, which, like, pisses me off in a lot of ways, but it makes sense in other ways. In that, like, especially in this setting, like you said, it's the first fall of a two out of three falls match. Like, that's what this was. This was the first fall of a two two out of three falls match in, like, a very classic kind of Lucha Libre sense, where this is the first fall. They'll have another match. That'll be the second fall. Jericho will probably win. And then you'll have a third fall where Okada wins again. And... I mean, I mean, I mean, this is all assuming though. We all know that Jericho's main priority is going to be AEW and all, and all that kind of stuff. And if you're going to give Jericho this kind of, I guess, 
like it's the it's the it's the loss that is the least clean out of all the matches he's had in New Japan so far. Right. So that does so that does make you think that there will be a second one. Right. My problem here is it's just so uncreative to me. It's everything about the current Jericho incarnation as a character or gimmick or act, whatever the fuck he is. I said this in the Slack that if I ask Chris Jericho what this current direction is meant to be, I'm not sure he'd have, a, he'd have an actual answer for me. And that's sort of my problem with that finish is that it feels like you did it just for the sake of doing it. It doesn't feel like you very clearly were setting up towards the next thing. Now, if we put our critical thinking caps on and just relax a little bit, yes, we see that Jericho didn't take a clean loss. It looks like another match is coming. He attacked Jericho. He attacked Okada after the match. Tanahashi comes out. All that stuff. But if I'm just going based off how it felt after watching that match, it doesn't make any fucking sense. And it reeks of Jericho just happened to watch the Omega Okada two or three falls match last year. And maybe that maybe probably didn't even watch the whole thing. Probably just sat there and caught the first fall. Right. And was like, that's it. I got it. And it's it's everything that I think people say about Chris Jericho that I was never like particularly harsh on. I was gonna let him do it. I don't care, fine. But it's so unoriginal, so uninspired, and lacking doing your own thing. And if you like, there there's a whole bunch of different like galaxy brain ways you could take this. You could be like, well. Jericho just wrestled o- Omega a couple of weeks ago, and then Jericho Jericho was the alpha and all that, so it makes sense that Okada would pin him. I don't fucking care. Stop like like that's one of those ones where if you if you reach far enough, you could probably pull some. You probably pull something out like that, but it's such shit. That's lo- that's and, that's bullshit, and that's like in bad faith. Like this is the thing when I hear you talking about it and I will make this argument 100% in, in, in good faith. And I don't think that anyone can ever argue with me that I'm not fucking honest. You know what I mean? Like that's my thing. I look at things and I give my honest opinion and I feel like you're giving Jericho too much credit to even say that he watched any of the fucking two out of three falls match between Okada. <laughs> that's already giving him more credit than he deserves. I guarantee it was, Okay, if we're going to look for a callback, what did you do? What was the finish? Okay, it was this roll-up thing. Let's just do that without even checking it. Because, again, like I said, it makes sense. It's just really easy to play off of that to being like, we're going to take the same format that you did with Omega, and we're just going to stretch it out. Instead of three falls, it's going to be three matches. And that's what I think that they're doing. Like, I don't think that there's any argument that they're not doing the exact same thing. Instead of three falls, it's three matches. They stretch them out between three matches, and and I wouldn't be shocked if they do basically the same exact structure between each match. And it works because it's Uh. just taking a two out of three falls match and stretching it into three matches because Jericho can't go 60 minutes, and he knows that. But he can do three matches where you stretch out like a similar kind of structure and make it work. And You know, like, and Okada does have this this problem himself, so I'm not going to sit here... And like, like Okada shouldn't get any of the blame. Wrestler of the year, um, 2018 wrestler of the year, Okada. You mean? Yeah, still, still he, the wrestler he of the year. He still deserves year. some blame. <laughs> it's, and it's like when the Wrestle Kingdom 10 match with Tanahashi happened, and you get the wrist control spot. You, like you can feel it. You can justify it. It makes sense for what they're doing. 
everything that Okada had been doing to that point had been either him getting screwed or him getting in his own way with his frustration and anger. And this was him finally having the tenacity and the fight to not let go and not get in his own way anymore. Like that, like that's what that was. That's how you can, that's how you can interpret it. And then after that, he keeps, he keeps doing the risk control. So I'm not going to sit here and act like Okada, at least recently hasn't been guilty of a similar thing. When you look at that first fall of the Okada Omega two or three falls match, the crowd actually reacts to when that fall happens. It's 20 something, 30 minutes of them going at it and trying to figure out how to put each other away and get this fall done. And then the shock happens and the crowd actually reacts. Right. The crowd doesn't react to this. Like, like that, that's what it like why it boggles my mind is in what in what world did did you think that it was like oh yeah we're gonna have this really uninspiring finishing stretch because that's another big part of it here a hard part of it here too is that okada and omega are fantastic finishing stretch guys have amazing chemistry together in that in that field of wrestling so as they're going back and forth and they're having all these exchanges and great reversals and Okada just kneels down and gets the and traps him for the one, two, three. It's like, oh shit, okay. When you're doing that and you're definitely not having a great closing stretch, and then you do that, how's the crowd supposed to react to that? Because you didn't give them any reason to care. Right. But I mean, so okay, so here's the here's the comparison, right? So we're gonna talk about like what's going on here with Jericho versus um omega and and i talked about it with like dad bod comparison like you know i mean omega here is like um robert de niro in cruising playing a daddy like a daddy dom and jericho here is like robert de niro playing the dad in meet the fockers right like you know like (laughs) he's like can you milk me and you know like there is that comparison but it's like it's also the truth like I get where you're coming from, but also like it's not meant to invoke the same reaction because it's not the same setting. The why are you pulling from <laughs> the reason why you're problem. pulling from it is why to just you... build a bigger build to bigger Die. houses. Build to bigger houses. Right? Like in the context of a two out of three falls match, what you're trying to build to is just like drama in the context of this match. In the context of building to a two out of three falls matches, you're building bigger houses. So Having something that feels like a letdown for the crowd in the building would like hopefully like this is old school wrestling philosophy like would hopefully build to people going like, well, you know, it wasn't a fuck finish and we're not the the booking's not going to fuck me and give me nothing. But also at the same time, at the end of that match, it felt like like that wasn't real. Like Jericho just happened to get caught with a roll up. But, you know, like we're the next time we're going to get something that feels better. So you're more attracted to come to the next match, you know? And like, that's, I think that's the the thing about wrestling that's lost now. Like, and this is weird because again, like, I hate to say it, but you are younger than me, but it's not the fucking example because we're both very experienced in watching wrestling. But to me, like the idea of wrestling being about building houses and building houses is the whole fucking point. And, and Jericho here, I think is, he's trying to, the next question is, I don't say that he's flawless, that he's definitely going to. I get the idea. I need to see how we get there, you know? And 
is it are we going to get there because maybe it doesn't fucking work maybe the crowd isn't going to buy into it the same way that you don't buy into it but i think that from an old school philosophy of it it does kind of make sense the idea that like this finish came out of nowhere and the crowd got it and they saw that their winner won but then or their champion won but after the match the fucking asshole attacked him and he's pissed off and he wants to prove something and then you go to the next match with some kind of stipulation or some kind of gimmick that that protects him so that he doesn't lose again cleanly to the champion and then whatever happens in the next match and it's bullshit but you get like some kind of finish that again builds the other way and then finally you build to the third match where you get the clean decisive finish right and i think that's the point you touched on exactly what my problem here is when you were doing that right is that if this is this old school philosophy thing then theoretically all that should matter is getting your heat back and jericho got his heat back my, if if Jericho was always going to attack him after the match, which I think you could have done anyway, Okada could have rainmakered him one, two, three, in the middle of the ring with no fight, no fuss at all, and Jericho could have still attacked him. I think it's, that you still get something from that though, because Jericho hasn't been hit with the rainmaker, and I think the rainmaker's mm-hmm. been protected. So I think that now you can build to the next match to say that, well, in the next match I'm gonna hit him with the rainmaker. And like, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of, that's very old school that he, Jericho still hasn't been hit with the move, you know? So I get where you're coming from kind of in the idea, but like, I still think that now you like, you left yourself a lot of room to work. I guess, I guess it's just for me that like, I know that I'm not interested in the next step. And I think I I wish a lot of people would do that too. Just be honest when you're not interested in what that, whatever that next thing is. But it's like, it really is just going to irk me for however long this Jericho Kata Tanahashi thing goes on that it just feels so uninspired. And I think that's the difference in the Jericho Omega match from Wrestle Kingdom and then the two Nysa matches is that, well, I'm not going to sit here and say that all, any of those were great matches. They feel violent they feel different they feel nasty they feel like jericho has a point to prove and i can sit here and be told by people and hear people say that oh jericho took okada out of his comfort comfort zone and i sit there and watch that match and i'm like no i i don't i don't see it like i i just don't see it it feels like a regular ass iwgp title match okada fights on the outside yeah in his matches all the time. That argument's like, horseshit. Honestly, that argument is completely horseshit. I would say the only ar- the only matches where you could come close to trying to make some kind of like conversation about taking Okada out of his comfort zone would be like um there it's was like, it's like Makabe it's like Makabe and Shibata. <laughs> no, I wouldn't even go that far. I would say there's Fale matches that like very uh, much feel like Okada being taken out of his comfort zone and there's a Nakamura match particularly yeah, okay. and that's like yeah i'm like if you're going to compare those things like this match it does not talk does not get into the conversation of like taking it out like how was this like how was this any different than minoru suzuki versus okada right exactly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's a bullshit it's, argument it's it's dishonest as fuck and that's my thing with this whole jericho thing is why do we have to be so dishonest about it if you like jericho you like jericho 
why do we gotta make this bullshit up like we haven't seen okada in these kind of positions before right and that's and to me like, that's why that's <laughs> that's not my argument my argument is never about that that he's being taken out of his company i i would i will 100 percent call this just like a extended version of jericho or uh jericho versus okada is just like an extended version of omega versus okada like i won't try to argue that this is something about talking about okada outside of his comfort zone you know what i mean like i will be very honest with you the reason why i say that this is like it works and it's bigger picture of it is it's just taking the same shit and it's drawing out the 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 drama of it and i i mean people lanza you know what i mean like voices of wrestling were arguing and talking about like the specific like numbers talking about how omega as a champion was an amazing draw because he drew a bunch of big crowds but most of omega's like championship run was feuding with okada so to like say this is a bad move it's like to to completely look past the business side of things because basically what it feels like to me is like the okada jericho match the okada jericho feud is just extending a feud between um okada and omega that already has proven to draw crowds so to me the whole point is like while i won't try to say like anything about that like i don't think that from an artistic perspective that somehow jericho okada is like a better match a better match structure the delivery of everything that's happening here is better in any way i won't say that but what i will say is that from a business perspective that they may be setting up things to continue to build this company by drawing bigger and bigger houses based on old school like concepts of how the business works which is like i said taking like the draw and the expectation and what people are looking for and you know what i mean like and and building up anticipation through the what the crowd are basically paying their ticket prices to to see that's what they're doing here so i won't argue that artistically or physically or however you want to argue about it when it comes to wrestling because there is like this weird middle ground between the two things um that it's better but i will argue that like when it comes to the business side of things which is still part of the artistic expression of wrestling that it's being done better comparatively to a two out of three falls match between two guys who probably could have drawn out i mean okada omega probably could have been drawn out to like five or seven matches you know what i mean and they did the two out of three falls match pretty early on in their feud so i'm just saying yeah but yeah but we, yeah, but we, yeah, but we know that we didn't they didn't know how long they were gonna have Omega. Right, and that's fair. We know, that we, yes. yeah, we, we know that the plan at Madison Square Garden, if Omega stayed, was going to be Okada versus Omega at Madison right. Square Garden. Right, but you get my point, is that I will be 100% mm. honest with you, and I won't ever say... Because if I'm going to talk about fucking like, performance art aspects of things, then fuck all of this. <laughs> and I just want to watch Jeff Cobb wrestle Timothy Thatcher a thousand times. You know what I mean? Like that's If we're going to talk about like artistic expression physically in a wrestling ring that's what i want to watch but if we want to talk about business i'm going to talk about building houses and doing everything else jericho omega is fantastic and that's why i get where you're coming from about people being dishonest because if you're being dishonest and you're trying to argue that somehow this is like the best art like expression of artistic wrestling then you're lying to yourself because it's not it's a hundred percent not but when it comes to the business side of things and you're trying to just draw houses this is how it's done you know, and that's the that's kind of the mix of, of stuff. And I won't argue that this is a bad match. You know what I mean? I'll argue with you to the end of the time if people try to say this is bad. Because I actually really enjoyed the physicality of this match. And I thought that they expressed a lot of really interesting, cool stuff. 
the code breaker like counter spot in the middle of the match out of nowhere was like really exciting i thought that the finish worked really well like you talked about with the callback which is like layered beyond the point of necessity because there's like you could just do whatever and still get the same amount of heat but at least like you added a wrinkle and you did a little bit of fan service to nerds like you and me but but like when it comes to like 100 percent artistic expression sure this is not what this is this is still business and this is about building houses and i can't blame jericho because jericho for all the arguments that we can make about where he's at in new japan and i think a lot of people think that he's bulletproof in new japan right now he's really not he still needs to prove himself he still has to basically like earn his supper in some ways and he continues to do that you know and that's like kind of the biggest argument i can make for this and for the future matches moving forward My my big say coming out of this is I genuinely just want to ask Chris Jericho what his character is. I would love to like, have I, an answer to that, yeah. I genuinely just want an answer. Like, I know that it'll out that it'll be complete bullshit, but I would love to know what he actually thinks this character or direction is supposed to be. It's <laughs> everything from like I, you know what, I'm not even gonna do that. I'm not going to retroactively do that because as gimmicky as it was, there was something that actually you can actually play off of in Alpha versus Omega because they're from the same because they're from the same city has some had similar, I guess, ish careers or whatever. So I understand Alpha versus Omega. Painmaker versus Rainmaker is like, (laughs) this goes back to business, right? And, and, and this goes back to business, right? And your whole point about, well, we're, we're trying to build something up here so we can draw future houses down the line. It's like, Painmaker versus Rainmaker is like super fucking blatant in the realm of marketing and advertising and trying to add a catchy tagline to something. And obviously, if we get more of these Okada versus Jericho matches, we're going to see Painmaker versus Rainmaker 2. <laughs> it's like, it's, uh, it's, the, it's the kind of shit that I really don't like and it makes me long for a day where i can just sit back and uh, go through the 2010s with you and just wash all this away like just talk about timothy thatcher from 2014 2015 and just get all of this out of my head there is a legend (laughs) it frustrates me so in uh you know barbed wire syringes pain death glass no it wasn't even that far but like apw Timothy Thatcher versus Larry the Legend deathmatch shit is like I haven't I, I I haven't seen that that shit is so good like early Thatcher Luster the Legend is probably I say this a lot but like him and B Boy are probably like neck and neck for like California underappreciated legends honestly mm. Larry or Luster the Legend is so fucking good and yeah him and Thatcher had a lot of great matches but either way we'll get into that for the the 2010 stuff. So now we have to get back into the pre pre show banter. Now that we've talked about the um the main event of the show to the end. I, or honestly, what do you want to where do you want to go now, Quentin? What do you want to do next? You wanna run down this card? I feel like there's not much else to talk about on this card. Is there anything else on the Dominion card that you really want to talk about? Uh not that I have super strong opinions on, but I think we can run we can run down it and give our opinions on the All matches. Right, let's do that. What did you think about the the opener? John Moxley versus Shoto Amino squash match 
Moxley looked good. A lot, a lot hotter than I expected it to be. Good opener. Kimino coming out, Kimino coming out and diving on him caught me the fuck off guard. Right. And then I'm really liking Moxley in New Japan because yes. he beat the shit out of Yumino. I <laughs> am going to 100% stake my flag in this fucking pile. I don't care anyone. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's, save, let's save that for the G1. Okay, okay. <laughs> we'll save. get into it later. Right. Okay. okay. This match ruled. This, I think Moxley 100% gets what he's doing here. I think that the he booking the gets it. He beat the shit out of him. I was so surprised. Yeah. We talked about it last week with bookending shows where you open up the card and you end the card with the people who are going to be important. I think they did the same thing here. Moxley opening up the show, I think, really denotes how important he is. Right. Mm. Next match. Actually, actually, wait. Before okay. we move on to that. So, let's talk about the kind of energy that one gives off after beating someone and then claiming them as your son. <laughs> that was so cool, right? Uh. What? <laughs> he cuts a promo when they decide, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm taking Yumino with me. <laughs> yes. I fucking love that. And it plays into did you, how... Did, did, you watch the, did you watch the YouTube promo? No, no, no. Get into oh the, my God. You, you, well, you got to see it. So Moxley is still talking about his G1 contention. Uh, while he gets backstage, and Yamino's still selling like death backstage, and he's trying to give, he 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 shoves his belt into Yamino. He's like, "Hold this for me," and Yamino just all over there, droopy eye, just dead. And then Moxie starts to walk away, and then Yamino just falls over, <laughs> and Moxie's like, "What are you doing, man? Come on!" <laughs> it's just like. I, if that, if that's if this is gonna be a thing that happens, I need more YouTube videos of these guys together. And this is the thing we talked about with with Moxley talking about it in the podcast in the past. Like the reason why Moxley works is that he's a great hybrid mix, but you have to keep the two things separate, and you have to keep the serious serious and the comedy separate. And he gets that in a way that a lot of other wrestlers don't. So giving him the space to be in control of that will make the difference. You know what I mean? And that's what this yeah. is. It's like he can do the comedy with Yumito because, because the comedy doesn't make Moxley. You know what I mean? The joke is not on him. The joke is on the situation. And the joke is on Yamino, who is like playing the kind of comedy figure to him as he builds him up. And and I think that we can continue to create something big. I mean, you know, like you can actually make something out of this. And I, I love that. I love the concept. You, 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 you need, you need to see the video. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah, it sounds exactly like right up my alley. It sounds exactly like what I'm looking for for this. And I just, I think that Moxley, the sky's the limit with Moxley. I've been saying it for a long time. I talked about, he's already shown that he has a connection with a crowd, like a segment of the fan base that's not tapped into. And I just think that we continue to see that. And, we continue to see that he's over with the mainstream crowd, but he's also over with a segment of the crowd that like people don't even think about. He just has a natural connection. And this was the thing. I, I, I meant to mention it when we talked about the podcast stuff, and I don't think I did, but I remembered it afterwards, and then I should say it. But like in the Wade Keller podcast, on the end of the first half, the like the last question that Wade asked him was like, what uh what shows are you binging what shows are you watching on like netflix and all this and that you know what i mean just to like get to the human aspect of him which is why i love wade keller because i think that wade keller is similar to me in that like i love getting into the minutia and the details but i also love to like remember the minute details that make us human you know and i think that people mm. overlook that when they talk about anything and he asked moxley about like 
you know, something that's like very human. What TV shows do you binge watch? And Moxley said something that like really resonated with me personally and really resonated with me in the context of like a real person is that he said like we watch a bunch of shows and he mentioned some shows and he's just like, yeah, we like, but honestly, the most important thing to me is sitting on the couch with Renee because she's my best friend and it doesn't matter what we watch because we just sit there and we just talk shit about it. And in that moment, I totally got that. You know what I mean? And I think that you could probably relate with the same thing. It's like you want Mm. a partner who's your best friend, who's your partner in crime, who you just sit around talking bullshit about stuff. And that's the thing about Moxley is that he's a real dude, you know? And that's why like the post-match promo stuff works. That's why as a person he works because he's a real guy and he's a real guy that I look, I actually like relate to in the sense that like, I'm the same way with me and my wife. Like, I don't give a fuck what we watch as long as like I can sit there and watch it with her and we could just bullshit, you know? And that's like, that's why Moxley, I think the sky's the limit with this guy. I think he could possibly be the biggest star in wrestling because he feels like a real person in a, in a time where that's honestly the most important part about wrestling is being relatable. Mm. The next match. Kojima versus Takagi. Shingo Takagi, to be exact. Um, I was I was hoping it was Sasha Hero. Yeah, I I wouldn't mind that. Um, this kicked ass. Shingo yes. is amazing. Um, Kojima, I think people could overlook Kojima here, but Kojima brought it like he always does. Like yeah, like Kojima, like Kojima's not the story here, obviously, but it was Kojima showed up for this. He didn't come up come over here and start giving. Shingo a half-ass performance. Shingo or Kojima does not is not the story, and Shingo and Kojima even wasn't like going above and beyond because he always works it. But this was particularly a match where the importance of who Kojima is mattered here, and he mm. really built on that. So I will say Kojima deserves a lot of credit here, um, just because. Like, yeah, he made a lot of of the moments early on. There's a moment with the shoulder tackle where Shingo puts Kojima on his ass and it felt like huge. Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you how much I love that. Yes. Because I was expecting them to just like sort of trade shoulder blocks. You know, they do like with the big uh, quote unquote like tank guys. They just trade shoulder blocks until one person goes down. I love how they just off the rip gave Shingo a clean ass shoulder block. takedown. Of Kojima. Like, that was fantastic. That was amazing. I loved that so much. And that made the match for me. Honestly, that was early on what made this match rule. The lariats back and forth. The big moves. Last Falconry was not as snappy and great as it as it has looked in the past. But I'll give them credit for, like, showing the respectfulness of it. I hope that we get, like, a big one. You know what I mean? Later on in the G1, I hope we get a big last falconry because I want to... He's, he's, he's facing Naito. He's going to fucking kill him. Yeah, I hope he fucking just drives him through the fucking center of the ring because I've seen the big snappy last falconries. But here, there was like, you know, again, there was there was storytelling to be had here. And yeah, I mean, again, this was probably close to my match of the night. Honestly, it was probably like at worst third best match of the night. At best, it was like second. It really depends on how I felt about the main event. I think that there's one match. It was the semi-main event. I'll just say it now. That's like, there's no question that was my match of the night. Um, 
but yeah like this match fucking ruled kojima again like we talked about kojima this is not abhorrent for kojima but it was special in that like he put more effort into this because he was building off of his his past and what he needed to be to make this work the next match was like the last of the undercard matches that matters really i guess I don't know. Do was think? this uh, Misu, um, Suzuki and Zack versus Yoshiashi yeah. and Liger? Yeah. Okay, so clearly they're building to Liger versus Suzuki. In and a shoot I'm, fight. Ho- hopefully. A rematch, that would be of their, a rematch of their shoot fight from the, was it the late or the early 90s or was it the 80s? I can't remember, but either way. Yeah. Either way, I need, I need Liger to wear a shoot gear. Yes, exactly. I need that, but, like, but, but keep the mask on. I need, I, need, I, need it to, I need it to be the exact thing. What I was going to point out here is, is Yoshihashi the biggest bitch in professional wrestling? Um, Probably, yes. But you have to give credit to Zach because he's willing to take a pin from the biggest bitch in wrestling. Yoshihashi is getting his shit push, pushed in by Suzuki and Zach. And then Liger just comes in and slaps the shit out of him. Repeatedly. And... It's like, and yells at him, and it's like it somehow works. It's like when your dad uh, yells at you or beats you before your football game, and they go out there and have like thirteen tackles or something, right? It's like so like that's what it felt like, and I'm like one after like after having that win, it feels weird that he's not in the G1, which is something that we could that we could talk about, but that spot doesn't work with anyone. On the roster besides Yoshihashi, right? <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, yes. Like, he just... And he felt like a complete afterthought. It's fucking insane that they gave him the the pin here. And that he's not in the G1. Like, it felt like That's the only reason... Wild. Yeah. Everything about it was insane. Um, Everyone else in the match was awesome. Even Yoshihashi was actually pretty good. Okay, like, yeah. Like, the match is great. The match yeah. is really, really fun. But it's, the 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 thing that stands out to me is why is Yoshihashi not in G one after this? Right, and and you could talk about it with like you know Mochizuki, Zack Saber Junior being the you know the Rev Pro Tag Team Champions relatively recently. This could be a Rev Pro Your Call main event easily. Like this match was yeah. awesome. This match kicked ass. But I also love that you called uh, Suzuki Mochizuki for. Oh I, fuck! I'm sorry. I'm thinking about you know greatest wrestler of twenty. To, you know t- 2010s um but yeah like these guys this match could easily have been in, in a main event conversation in a place where it was presented that way because it was really good zach looks amazing suzuki looks you know as good as he ever does yoshihashi i don't understand <laughs> i really don't understand liger obviously a legend everything about this is like you know something that should matter but what what are we building to? You're building to, you know, Suzuki versus Liger, I guess. Hopefully, we build to like we talk th- about think, the rematch of the shoot I th- fight. I think there's a Zach Yoshihashi match that's supposed to happen at some point, but I, I'm not sure if it's on Kazuna, Kazuna Road or anything. And I know the Misu's not in uh, the G1, so clearly they're going to be holding off on Suzuki versus Liger for a little bit. And it's like if you if they time it enough, they can get that all the way to wrestle to Wrestle Kingdom. So I don't know, but the it was just real weird that Yoshihashi won there and then not, was not in G one. 
So after that, uh, what's the what's the next important match? Is it tight? Is it Tai Chi versus Ishii? If you want to call that important, only only want to point it out because I think that's the second best match on the show. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I think that's I think it's the second best For match, match on the show. Quality. Yes. Okay. Begrudgingly, because I'm about to get I'm about to get into my whole Tai Chi thing here, but they beat the shit out of each other in that match. And Ishii, so it's a fun, it's a phenomenal Ishii performance. One of those, one of those matches that reminds you just how good Ishii is. And I'm not gonna sit here and do the thing where Ishii's been great since 2012, and somehow he's. Uh, I'm not doing it. I'm not saying Ishii's underrated, but just one of those matches where sometimes you get tired of the guy, and then you're just like, "Fuck, he's he's so good sometimes." And my thing with Taichi, in here, in here, it was real apparent. Is that I need them to pick a side with Taichi. I need them to pick a side. Is he gonna be the outlandish chicken shit antics based heel? Or is he gonna be the Kawada protege Minara Suzuki's right hand man ass kicker that he was in this match? Cause I don't think you sh- I don't think that walking but walking those lines is alright, at least for me. I'm going. I'm going to need him to. I'm going to need him to pick one of these things to be, because seeing him go in there and trade with Ishii like that, I, that kind of bothered me, just based off how they've treated him for years and years and years in the past, and now he just goes out there and is trading bombs with Ishii. I mean, comparatively, though, like, is there really that big of a difference, other than the fact that like he's. It's it's, it's it's pre- it's presentation though. That's what that's what I'm saying. Right, but I mean, is that, I'm not, I'm, it's, it's not it's not it's not like a believability thing. Like Ishii's tiny. Like it's not it's not like a difference in believability. But when you're doing that, and that's what you like, mm-hmm. Ishii's been doing that for his whole career, and then Taichi just starts doing it in that match. It's like, like like I'm like it makes me wonder what like what's going on here. And are you changing Taichi? Is Taichi gonna be a little bit more serious now? It, it was this just a one-off. It 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 kind of bothered me in that sense. I get where you're coming from, but I think that since Taichi has been kind of starting to be presented in the never conversation, he's been more serious and more like strong style. Um, we'll get into like <sighs> our, we'll get into our G1 talk later, but like I think since well, he had the big matches with Cobb, I think he's been presented as being a like a guy who could be more serious. Yeah, but it's like it's like as recently as February though, he's sitting there. He's had, he has that match with Naito, where they attack him on the stage, and Naito is selling the whole match and all and all the bullshit going along with that. So that's what sort of my thing here. Maybe it changed with the Cobb match, and I'll admit that I didn't see the Cobb match. So maybe he acts differently in that. But as recently as February, and he gets an Intercontinental title shot. He was still doing bullshit. <laughs> to be fair, he's very mixed. I wouldn't say that there has been a change. There's definitely been a mix. Mm-hmm. There has not been a serious, like, this is a different guy. And I would love for him to just, like, switch gears and be Dangerous T. You know what I mean? And, like, you know, rock. Instead of gold, it's yellow. And just be, like, Dangerous <laughs> T. But, like, he is... Also here, I mean... <sighs> I get with Ishii, like the Ishii stuff, but I feel like I haven't been checked out on New Japan. I've been watching, but this match 
And maybe I'm fucking crazy again because I just stopped paying attention. But at the start of this match, I was like, Ishii's old. Like, this was the match where looking at him, I was just like, Ishii is getting old as fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I don't take him seriously anymore because now I just look at him and he looks like an old man. Like, I hate to say that. And he's very tough. And the way he's presented works. And the finish was really good. But I don't buy into him as ever being a guy who should be a top contender. And I think that there was a time maybe like five years ago in that range where like I could see why people were mad about him. But now I look at him and I'm just like, no, I don't see him as ever being a top contender guy. And and that doesn't mean that he couldn't have gotten there. You know what I mean? That's not to say that like he couldn't have. But I'm just saying like if you try to continue to argue that Ishii should get pushed, I think that like you're just like grasping at straws from the past and you have to just accept that the time has passed. Like, there was a time where Ishii could have been a top guy. I don't think it's there anymore. In this match... Uh, we, what? Yeah, oh, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I, didn't know if you, I, didn't, I didn't know if you saw thoughts on this. No, no, no. Keep going. Oh, I didn't know if you were... I, I was thinking that you were done, and I was going to move on and say... Let's do it. Sonata and Evil are complete dog shit. Yes. And they suck dick. I mean, I'm sorry. Are... That's not a bad thing. I enjoy people who suck dick. I'm a big fan of sucking dick, personally. So, I am sorry for saying that. I apologize for <laughs> using that in a derogatory way. Um, but yeah, Evil and Sonata right, are the, very bad. I think the bases are covered there. Yeah. Um, they're fucking terrible. Um, I, as, a tag like team, pre- as a tag team, they're terrible. No. They, no Individually. They, they are both bad. Yes. Like, like <laughs> I, I, fuck the Young Bucks for having those good matches with them last year there was a fooling there was a point where i thought evil could be good it has passed i I, i'm not sure when we're gonna have the conversation on evil and sonata being kind of bad i'm not sure if this podcast because we already because we already have stuff to talk about but eventually maybe during g1 i really we really need to talk about how when did evil that's I, mean, I would argue that's an I episode of psychology evil, is dead like there is a I conversation argue, go i would argue that he's always been bad it's just that what he was doing seemed fresh at the time and now he has the same match every single time two or three he's been years back ago he had a fantastic match with naito in the g1 mm. i can't remember when that was but i think i think it might have been 2017 probably that match ruled. No, tw- no, 20, no 2016. Because yeah. I think um, I think that same year he had a match with Omega too. Yes. Okay, so it's probably 2016. Yes, and that match, the Omega match was also good. But yeah, there was times where Evil has had very good matches. Evil is also about as tall as Tiger Yatori, which is like sad <laughs> with like the presentation that he's built on because he's just he's very small he's a small man i don't even care that it's like that he's small or anything like that it's he's been having the exact same match as he came back like you can go back to whatever he first starts doing when he comes back in fall 2015 and what he's doing now and he's doing the exact same shit and i don't think anyone gets a pass from people the way evil does. I think because people 
really like evil they like the look they want to like him so much that we just want to ignore it but he's been doing the exact same shit since 2015 right well evil is a really good example or like something for people who maybe like you know people who listen to our podcast people who are you and me might be like slightly behind on new japan stuff to get the reference completely but Evil is very similar to Goto in that, like, I can totally see the argument for why, like, at some point you could have pushed them as a top star. But Mm. you also have to realize that, like, there was probably a good reason why they never got pushed. Because they really couldn't have ever been the top guy. I think that Goto could have gotten, like, a token, like, you know, IWGP championship run. At some point in there, like at uh, at one point, in Goto Goto could have absolutely won it between yeah. like 2008 and 2011. There's a lot of arguments in there where like you could have easily just given him the title. It would not have mattered. He would have just dropped it relatively close to when he won it, and it wouldn't have made a difference. And it's like really similar with with evil, where it's like evil. I'm not even sure. I'm I'm not even sure I can actually argue that evil at any point should have held held the title. Like, like right. But I, I no, no no. I'm with you. I, I guess my point is like evil is in the company at a time where like there's more stars and more people who are more deserving than him. But I think that like comparatively their talent level and their like star presence is very com is like very similar to where it's like. Yeah, like you could have you could have just put the title on these guys and it wouldn't have mattered and you probably just shouldn't have. It's like really my biggest my bigger picture thing. Like the people who act as if the fact that Goto never had the title is the biggest travesty in the history of wrestling are bullshitting and they didn't actually pay attention and they're just like they're basically like arguing like in the same context. Like if you're being like, you know, very fair-minded about it, like they're arguing in the same context that, like, Evil should have been a top guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, he's, no. He's like, maybe you could have, like, made an argument for it, but not really. Like, there's no real reason. And I think the Sonata Evil tag team is probably, like, the height or the, like, the, like, kind of biggest picture, like, where they, the, both those guys should be. On, But, like, worse than, like, just the idea that, like, both those guys should probably be at that level is that, like, Together as a tag team, somehow they bring out the worst aspects of each other to where, like, the Sonata evil tag team, like, makes sense on paper. But when you watch... They're not baby faces. But when you watch their matches... At least, like, Sonata, like, he can be a baby face. What do you do with evil? Like, (laughs) I don't understand that. Yeah. It feels like they're just, like, sort of stuck here because LIJ brings in so much money and... I was like, you don't want to change like change it up too much because Lij is still so profitable from top to bottom. But it's like, Bushi what? was the best baby face in this match. <laughs> like, if we're being honest with ourselves, the hottest, best working baby face in this match was Bushi coming in, spitting mist in someone's face. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, like that's my thing. It's like these guys work at this level, but they don't work in the sense that like. They're not a great babyface tag team. They shouldn't be tag team uh, like a tag team together. Everything about it doesn't work. But they also, but they also aren't good enough for real singles. But right, Sonata has had 
three of my least favorite matches to happen this year. That's being every very time nice. people that, that is you every, being very nice to him. Every time people have said, "Oh wow, Okada looks slow. Looks slow. He looks hurt." Do you know that he's wrestled Sonata <laughs> every time I've seen people say that? Like, I haven't seen people say that after Jay White. I didn't see people say that after the Jericho match specifically either. But it's like, every time he wrestles Sonata, oh, wow, Jericho looks, I mean, Okada looks really slow. Hmm. I wonder why, I wonder why that is. Maybe because Sonata really isn't good at whatever Okada is trying to do with him here. The Somehow the match with Tanahashi in the semifinals of uh, the New Japan Cup is worse than either of the Okada matches. I'm not sure if you ever, I'm not sure you ever watched it. Yeah. No, I saw but, them both. I watched most New Japan matches. By the end of the year, fucking, I watched f- them fucking, ter- fucking terrible, right? Yes. Yeah, it was... <sighs> Sonata Okada matches have been really annoying <laughs> since a couple years ago, and they continue to be probably the worst Okada matches of every year. Like, I can't... Okada's right, you know really what? Okay, good. I'm... I'm, I'm... I'm I'm done I'm done with Please, it's not any we'll on. get we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to them at some let's point. Let's move on um, to the fourth best match of the night. <laughs> Will Ospreay versus Dragon Lee. This is a match I think I could totally see why Voices of Wrestling would have this as their match of the night. You know what I mean? Cuz it's like it's super cool spots. There was a night um when I saw it was actually two nights. I saw Dragon Lee and APW win the uh, King of the Indies, then I saw him the next night and he um crippled um uh fuck i can't think of his name hiromu hiromu takahashi the next night and over the course of that weekend great great week great great weekend for him yeah (laughs) by the end of that no i like i can totally see why that would seem like a bad thing on paper right but by the end of that weekend i was like dragon lee might be the best wrestler on the planet seeing him live Mm. have like five of the best matches that i had ever seen you know what I mean? By the end of that weekend, because he was amazing the entire weekend through. So seeing him up close, I can see why people really love Dragon Lee. And in this match with Will Ospreay, they delivered on all of that. Like they really brought the best of the best stuff between two guys who just fucking fly. I've seen Osprey live a ton in PWG. I think he's amazing. You and me both love Osprey. We've loved him for a long time. He's my number one hundred greatest wrestler ever you know what i mean like again i will always bring that up because when you know when the next gwe happens and he's fucking above everyone else and i'm just like hey remember i was the guy who fucking called this out so oh my god can you imagine the fit there will be after osprey becomes like the highest rated person in observer history right and he just is over Shinya Hashimoto, <laughs> it's coming. Tenru, everybody like his matches are killing it nonstop. This was a great example of that. I liked the Osprey versus Shingo match slightly more than this, but only slightly. I couldn't even make an argument to say that this match was not better. These guys fucking murdered it. Dragon Lee again, like I said, seeing him at APW win the the best of the, or the king in the indies whatever it was the same championship that brian danielson and loki won you know what i mean just remember that keep that in mind everyone um and then cripple hiromu takahashi the next night and then uh, have this amazing match here it's just like 
the guy is so good. Like, he's all of the worst parts of, you know, Shibata, for sure. He, like, the, the stuff that he does as a reference to Shibata is, like, bad. Definitely. The, the, he's, he's really fallen in love with knee strikes. Yes, he loves doing just nasty knees and crazy It's a shame, because I, I, I think he has a really good bicycle knee, but... He just kept doing it, and it's like, I've watched Dragon Lee for years. Right. I know he can do more than that. Yeah. So as he's sitting there, just keeps going back and going back to that well, I'm like, dude, I know you're great. I know you have a lot of shit Can you blame him for not doing the Phoenix Plex anymore, though? Like, really? Not even, not even, not even, not even the Phoenix but Plex. But you get I what I'm saying. That, yeah, yeah. So I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. It's exactly what I thought it would be. They had a match a couple of years ago in Ring of Honor. It was better on than some, this. Yeah, you know, on some on, on a small house. I think it was like the like the Manhattan Mayhem show. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Actually, I think and, it was a pay per view show. No, keep going. Sorry. It was like a house. I feel like I thought it was a house show. Might might not have been, yeah. but it was definitely smaller. It was and in the they Manhattan have this match. arena. It was like, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So it. So it's. That match is definitely not as high stakes. I think it's their first. I think that match is their first singles meeting at that point, and it feels like it has a little bit more of a concise story to it. And really, that like that match is sort of the outlier in what you want or expect from Will Ospreay and Dragon Lee. Is that that match is sort of subdued, and then here these two are just going fucking bonkers with each other. The uh, sitting Osprey on the guardrail. And doing the and doing the suicide dive, absolutely incredible spot. Uh, I think we have to start talking about Dragon Lee as having one of the best topes ever. I think we have to start talking about Dragon Lee in the conversation of greatest of all time, twenty tens, like top fifty, right? Am I crazy to say that? If the if the CMLL work was more extensive, yes, yeah. I think that I think that. His CMLL work kind of starts to dip around 2016. Okay. And well, I guess I'll give him, I guess I'll give him 2017. But I feel like his I feel like his CMLL work starts to dip. Okay. And that's fair. If that was be- if that was better, then I would be more willing to rate Dragon Lee highly. But I could see him definitely being a top 50 guy for some people. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Top 50. Like I wouldn't max out beyond that, but I could top 50. 2015s like he or not 2015s but like 2010s guy like <laughs> yeah he's in that conversation i think i don't think there's much of an argument about him if you have him in your top 50 for the 2010s that's like very reasonable so i liked it it's definitely what i what i expected from the guys it didn't grab me the way shingo versus osprey did but Shingo Osprey is one of the best matches of the year, and comparing anything to that, like that's just not really fair. So I enjoyed it. After this, I guess Naito versus Ibushi is the last thing we got to talk about. That's from- a oh. night. Yeah, Naito versus Ibushi we got to talk about, but I guess we can talk about Kenta and him co- and him coming out with Shibata when we do the G one block. No, so we'll say we'll save it for actually. That. Do you want to just get into the G one blocks now, and we'll talk about that, or what? Do, what do you think? I think we should do. I don't think there's a lot to say about Naito versus Ibushi because they've had. Are you kidding? Uh, I think no. I'm saying they've had three matches with each other Golden so far Stardust this year. Stardust explodes. Wow! For like the what? Third or fourth fifth time? time? Yeah. 
fifth time. But no, I wouldn't argue. I would not argue against. I would, in fact, make the argument for this being the match of the night. Honestly, I think this is the no, best that's match. My, yeah, this my match. Yeah, this my match of the night by yeah, far. Yeah, yeah. Actually, surprised me because I was thinking they would just go and do nutty spots. Naito actually brought that nastiness, yes. the nastiness I like from him. He Nas- really Naito was not. Naito was mean as fuck in this yes. match, and pleasantly surprised me because Naito has a tendency sometimes to sleepwalk or just goes like and just wait for the finishing stretch to kick in so we can get all those bumps going. But Naito brought that personality that made people fall in love with him. Yeah, and we know Ibushi is Ibushi. Ibushi is. Uh, a serial killer, glutton, a serial pillar, a serial killer, someone who skins human beings and animals, and he sits there and he's like takes all this punishment. And then he just snaps, <laughs> and we know what, like we like we know what we get from Coda. And uh, this match really did hinge on what Naito was going to bring. And I thought Naito was was great there. Gorgeous, I loved Naito, especially when he was hammering on him, hammering on the back of mm-hmm. The intensity, the facials that he brought, every strike, like, Naito is what Naito is, you know? And I can definitely see a lot of people being, like, dismissive to Naito's work. But every shot that he brought to the back of the neck on Kota here, the hammering on the back of the neck was all so violent. Like, and so... Speaking of of Kota's neck, do we... Like, I don't think... I don't think either me or you have strong thoughts on Coda and that German suplex I bump. I fucking and... loved it. I thought it looked so good. I don't believe that anyone should be worried about it because it was just a sloppy German that did not bring... You know, me and you and me both are fucking jocks. Like, that's, I think, the best part about this podcast is that we both, like, get it. You know what I mean? As people who have played football, have played all sports, who get being fucking violent you know what i mean like wh- and not, not not only like violent like sometimes that's just like that's just your free will and you want to do that and that bump didn't well, look bad am i right like that bump didn't look that bad like the the camera angle made it look nasty but like when i especially when you fro- especially when you froze on it yeah <laughs> like you can freeze and you can do slow motion you can make it look bad but like in the moment i'm just like he did not there was no impact on the side of his head Right? Like, there was just nothing there. So, like, to me, as someone who, like, is very into, like, again, being, like, a a particularly athletic person who's done a lot of dumb shit to my body, I looked at that and I was like, that was nothing. You know? Like... I know, but... Yeah, but it's also, like, not even, like, the whole, like, bragging about, uh, that didn't even look that bad. It's like, as people that played sports and all that, we also know that... Yeah, athletes aren't the smartest people in the world, right. and will do things against better judgment because they want to really do that thing. Right. And it's like, as a grown man that wants to do whatever with his body that he wants to, and as an athlete, even back when I was a kid, I did the exact same thing. Right. So like, what do you say? So what are you going to sit here and tell a thirty a thirty five year old man about right. what he can do about what's right to do with his exactly. body or not? Like. Like I said, like that that's that's all it is there, but yeah. you know, we had like that bump that bump conversation comes up all the time and all that. Just I loved see, it. like I don't think I loved it. Yeah. I thought it looked great. I I, I love the way that the slow motion got it because they really like 
played it up but like they, they really they really accentuated it yeah. yeah but in the moment i just like i could see myself taking some shit like that and just not even noticing it because it's, it really looked like it could have been nothing you know what i mean like mm. it, it looked like something that could look bad from like the camera angle but like in the moment when you hit that like that could have been you could he could have barely even noticed it it could have been nothing and like you know it could end up fucking up your brain and making you like just like completely like your brain into pudding if you caught it wrong but like for me looking at it i'm just like that was there was nothing this match kicked ass this match ruled these guys these guys with the best part about both of these guys going against each other is that they're both guys who focus on doing just nasty neck bumps they both they're, they're just complete lunatics yeah so them like going... since like since 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 they've got since they've been having these matches pretty regularly since 2017 when coda came back They've been just complete maniacs, and I'm not saying I don't want to see these two wrestle anymore. I think I would be good if we took a year, to, like a year and some change off from this matchup. But I still really enjoy them together. I just yeah, give me like give me a little bit of a break. Like that's the same way I feel about Naito versus Ishii. Like Naito versus Ishii is gonna be fantastic, but like. Can I please get, like, a little bit of a break between those two wrestling each other? The weirdest part for me is that just, like, Naito doesn't... Naito doesn't sell it well. Like, Naito is historically a nasty neck man. But, like, Naito feels like a nasty, like, works on the neck guy. So I just wish that he would sell a little bit more. That would be, like, my mm. biggest issues with him. And then him going Abushi is perfect because Abushi is willing to take the just just wackiest neck bumps and naito i would argue i would argue naito hasn't been a good hasn't been a good seller since like 2013 yeah yeah he, he naito is a fucking terrible seller and he has been for a while but like the biggest issues with that is just like this match would have been great if naito had sold a bunch but him against abushi is always the best because night because abushi is willing to take like just the grossest neck bumps of all time like he loves taking neck bumps my this is like a a quote that i will steal from my brother my younger brother was just like i'll always remember he was talking about dolph ziggler and dolph ziggler would take some like shitty bump and he just like he'll do anything for a concussion like the guy just loves getting concussions (laughs) you know what i mean like and abushi is like he is the dolph ziggler of japan he just he'll do anything for a concussion he loves it oh my god that's such a great yeah quote to take out of context that's like the perfect thing to put on twitter yeah and then link the and then put the put the podcast <laughs> link and be like okay where do these fuckers say yeah exactly the kodabushi is the dolph ziggler of japan yeah exactly but it's so fucking true this guy will like do anything for a concussion but like the way that they interacted with each other is perfect and that's why like i i enjoy it i'm I enjoy watching guys just give each other brain damage, whatever. It just, it happens. If they want to do it, they want to do it. Again, we talked about it. We're both like, you know, athletes. We're both like historically athletes. We don't mind watching people give each other brain damage. But if we want to talk about people giving each other brain damage, then what we want to talk about is the G1. Because that is where the most people are going to kill the most brain brain cells. The quickest the quickest way to completely ruin my brain and shut me down from functioning right. in the rest of my life. Exactly. So, do you want to get into the uh the the G1 blocks? Let's uh... Yeah, cuz I think well, uh, yeah, I think what I want to do here is I want to just talk about the blocks and the matchups. Yes. 
And I think I'll save like a deeper preview and predictions and all that stuff for when we actually get closer to the G1. Right. All right. So uh, run down those blocks for me. All right. Since you have so we got block yet. one, block A. We've got Lance Archer, Evil. I like that Lance Archer is in here. Honestly, it's weird mm. that um, David Boy Smith Jr. is not. David David Boy is gone from what I've heard. Is he gone? Yeah, I, th- I think he's gone. Okay. Um. So we got Lance Archer. Evil, Bad Luck Fale, Kodobushi, Kenta, Okada, Will Ospreay, Zack Sabre Jr., Sonata, and Hiroshi Tanahashi in the A Block. Am I wrong in saying that the A Block feels kind of weak? I don't... There's a lot of bad matchups here. Okada, Tanahashi, Zack, Will... Um, I guess this sort of depends on your mileage on Kenta because right. I would count count, count Kenta as good. a good guy yeah. still. Lance had a really good match with Osprey. Lance and, has uh, had a lot of New Japan good Cup. showings in G One. Oh fuck, Abushi! Like, yeah. like that's that's a good block. AJ, you know what I mean? Like that's, um Lance versus Abushi could bang. Like that could yeah. be really fucking yeah. good. Uh, Lance has had a lot of really good showings in G Ones, but so like I, I'm looking, so I'm looking at it, and it's like. And you said uh, Fale's in this block too, right? Which is a positive. There's a lot of guys in here who can work well with Fale. You've got Tanahashi, Okada, both proven to work well with Fale. Um, Osprey, mm. I think, will be a good like a guy who can work well with but Fale. They, they had a decent, they had a decent match in yes. New Japan Cup. You got Sonata, who can prove himself by having a good match with Fale. I think he'll want to have a good match with Fale. Oh Jesus Christ! It's gonna be bad. It's gonna up. be bad. Oh my! Evil, oh evil versus Fale. Holy shit! That's gonna be very <laughs> rough. Yeah. Okay. Archer so... versus Fale is gonna be the worst match of the block. I can I can make a strong argument that Sonata versus Tanahashi <laughs> might be, be the worst match. Yeah, of the block. fair. So uh, I don't I don't know. You have Okada, you have Tanahashi, you have Zack, you have Kenta, you have Osprey, you have Ibushi. Sonata does Kenta have Evil. a bad match? Kenta's worst match is probably Sonata. Just because that doesn't sound like a good match. That's fair. Not even like not like not like not even committing to the fact that I don't like that things are not as bad. It just sounds like a bad matchup. Right. So I so, would honestly argue that Osprey Kenta probably ends up being the best, the worst match for Kenta. I don't know. I'm really looking forward to that one. I I'm looking forward to it also on paper, but I'm looking forward to it in the sense that I also know it could be very bad. I think if Kenta just is is showing up with the point that he's going to beat the shit out of people. I think that it's almost a guarantee that that match is good. Now, what that I think that hinges on if Will does like tries to do like some fighting spirit bullshit, which that really hasn't been Will's thing. Right. Will has stayed away from that kind of stuff. Will normally just sells. Yes. So, if Will just gets the shit kicked out of him for like 13, 14 minutes, and they go back and forth, just hitting each other really hard. That could be one of the best matches of the block. But imagine Osprey taking a triple backflip bump off of GCS. Tell me that's not the worst thing you've seen in your entire life. Uh, yeah. 
that's that's what I predict. Why'd you why'd you do that? Like that's I was really excited I now you did I that. I predict a triple back <laughs> flint bump off the GCS. And that's Okay, what if he sells it like um God, who's that uh, who, who's the one that who's the junior that took it really well? There's like someone that's like the standard Jack Evans. for the No, not Jack Evans. Um is it like is it Kanamaru? No, it's like either like Kanamaru or Sawa that's like Sa- the yes, stand- yes, yes. Yeah, for like the standard of how you should be taking a GTS bump, and Osprey has that in him. Like Osprey has Fair. it in him to take up to, to to sell it like that. So I don't know. I, this real this match really is going to depend on how Osprey takes that GTS. But do you agree with me that A Block is kind of shaky? There's a lot of matches that really depend on how they're executed. I mean, the only ones that are sh- the only guys that are shaky, I think, are Sonata. Fale and Evil, but even then, Evil and Okada have good matches together. I think that every uh, guy in the A block is shaky, in the sense that like to an extent, their matchup could be iffy depending on how they deliver. You know what I mean? Like, there's no. I'm I'm I'm, I'm running down the history of like these guys. It's like I liked all the Zack versus Okada matches. Yes, Zack and Tana Zack and Tanahashi have never been bad together. Yes. Okada and Tanahashi, like we know how that goes. Um, Ibushi, Ibushi and Tanahashi have always been great together. Ibushi and Okada happened a few times. It's not the freshest in my head right now, but, but it, it's fine. Um, there's a lot of shakiness know, here. Like Fale is shaky, Evil is shaky, Archer is shaky. Those are all. There's mm. like three guys who are very shaky, depending on who they're facing. How the yeah, match. I guess it's four. So I guess so. It's like that's four guys have, who are like yeah, we, iffy. We have, it, yeah, we have so we have Kenta, Will, Zach, Okada, Tanahashi, Ibushi, and then for the guys that you have to the, think about the, for the guys that I think, yeah, yeah, and you have to think about Will and Kenta are both like iffy because they're facing people they haven't wrestled, you know what I mean, recently in a while. Will versus Tanahashi, I like if could anything, be the best I think match. that's the one that worries. Yeah. Will versus Tanahashi could be the match of the year. You know what I mean? It, oh. it could also be the worst match of the year. Wait, so wait, so you're really excited about Will versus Tana, but you're not super, like you're kind of wor- worried about Will versus Kenta. I think I that think both matches could be better. terrible. I think that both. Matches, I think Will versus Kenta sounds better on paper. On paper, maybe. Like Kenta versus Osprey on paper would probably be really good, but I think that the finish could piss me off. Okay. Yes. Tanahashi Will versus, versus yeah. yeah Will versus Tana that's one hundred percent a main event on one of the shows yes and I feel like that the the finish doesn't like scare me as much as just like the match overall the match the match structure yes. and everything yeah I think that's gonna be one hundred percent a Will leg match I hope that Tana Will Will's gonna be Will's gonna be hopping on one leg yes. and screaming and. Brock and Brock and Simon are gonna be fucking pissed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hope that Tana just works him over the whole match, and I think that you could deliver yeah. something really solid on that. Um, Okada and Will, I've always liked together. Yes, they had a really good dead, dead match. I liked, I liked a lot from this year. There's, Zach and yeah. Will, so like that, like that. Zach and Will is a classic Brit Brit rest matchup. Yes. Like again, I like I, hope, I, know, I know I said this yeah. in the Slack, but I hope that the you know Will and and Zach ends up as the main event on a show when they replace the 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 canvas with a union jack they put the <laughs> like a british flag canvas that's really like that's, that's, that's really like when you think about it, like damn like that's really fucking cool like some yes. people 
that like that moment for them was Will versus Marty. And I'm not gonna lie, like at that point, I was still I still liked Marty somewhat. So seeing Marty and Will and then and like in Cork and Hall was like, oh shit, like that's cool. But like Zach versus Will, like shit, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is the match you're looking forward to the most out of this block? Out of the A block? Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, Kenta versus Zack would be the match that I look mm, the most forward to. Okay. Because I know that Zack has been training for this. You know what I mean? And I know that Zack will have a lot of very interesting stuff prepared for this. You have to also keep in mind that, like, one of my seminal matches of my, like, career as a wrestling fan was Kenta versus Nigel. So, mm-hmm. Kenta versus Zack as, like, an extension of that, I think, can work. That would be the match that I'm most, most excited for. The, like, if we're going to talk about sleeper matches in the A block, like, the match that I think could secretly end up being the best match of the of a block but also again like i said could end up being the worst match of the a block would be tana versus okada or not okada tana versus osprey i think could end up being the best match of that block but i also think that we could end up being the worst match of the block but I, I, give me the answer to both for you. What's your like? What are you looking at the most forward to, and what's your like sleeper? This could actually end up being the best match of the block. So the match I'm most excited for is Kenta versus Okada. Now, the ideally I wanted Kenta and Ibushi. Except, holy fuck, we didn't even talk about Kenta versus Ibushi happening. Jesus Christ, this is—I don't care. This uh, to me, this uh, to me, I think the blocks get like, got evenly distributed pretty well. Um, but Kenta versus Okada is the one that I really wanted. I wanted Shingo versus Okada, and I—I I, I still think that'd be amazing, just because they're two all-time great finishing stretch guys, but. I'm telling you, if Kenta comes out and he's just here to beat the shit out of people, Okada's the perfect guy to do it to. He has uh, Shibata in his corner, introducing him and all that stuff. And if he goes out there and decides that he is going to absolutely clobber Okada for however long that match goes, and that Okada has to sell and fight and all that for the match, that could be really fucking good. I think Okada could take a fantastic GTS. I think yes. I think the size thing might throw it off because Okada's a tall Okada's a tall boy, but if they get a good if they get a good GTS, Okada could sell that thing fantastically. Yeah, and I think that Okada probably is the probably the best seller of the GCS on on the A block for sure. At the end, of um, it, so B block the match that I think so the, no oh, I'm, I'm thinking of the so you so you had the match you're most excited for than a match that. You think it'd either be really good or really bad. Yeah, the dark horse. Um, all right, so my dark horse, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go Lance versus Ibushi. I think a lot of people are skipping over that one. And Lance can Lance can really go when he's in there with an athletic guy, yeah. an athletic smaller guy to toss around, and uh, that's gonna bump on that's gonna bump on their head and fly around and all that stuff. And I think Lance versus Ibushi could be really great. Yeah. If you look at this, like. We really should, like, I do want to move on to the B block, but it's like, 
shit, like, even, like you forget about matches. Like, we're going to get an Osprey versus Abushi rematch in this block. Like, that's why it's so hard for me when I see the idea that, like, the A block is somehow going to... It looks bad on paper or looks underwhelming on paper. Even if you, like, think about the possible stinkers or underwhelming matches because you have guys like Sonata, Evil, Fale, and an unproven guy like Archer, you, like, still randomly you're going to get an Osprey versus Ibushi match one of these nights. That's a, that's that's pretty good to me. Yeah, and that's... No, that's... The A block is really solid. I think if you think about... The way it works, you're going to get, like, four matches per night, every night, and no matter what the mix-up is, I think there's a few, there's really only a few matchups in the A block that seem, like, not great. There's a lot of, the only issue with the A block is that there's a lot of rematches. There's, like, a lot of matches that have happened already. But every night of the tournament, you've always, you're always going to get something interesting. You've got Osprey. You've got Kenta, and you've got, uh, I think that's it, really, with people who are going to, or Ibushi, I guess, who've all, like, primarily you're going to get all new matchups, you know, and then other people you're going to get matchups that are, like, maybe a little bit shaky, but they're still going to deliver something. B-Block, though, we're going to talk about. Do you want to move on to the B block? Are you okay with this? You want to yeah, we're good. yeah we're good. Let's move on to Let's it. Move on to the B block. B block. We're gonna get a lot of really new matchups, a lot of really fresh stuff, and this is for me as a SoCal wrestling fan <laughs> forever. I've talked about it a lot. The B block feels like a really nice setup for my man Jeff Cobb. He's got a lot of really great matchups in the B block. Like, uh, well, let's talk about who's in. Who's in there? We're gonna argue about Jeff Cobb having some great matches in the B block. Okay, he's got Hiroki Goto. Already have had a couple of great matchups. Tomohiro Ishii, Jeff Cobb, and Ishii have had great. They, matches. They had a great. They had a great match with it last year, two years ago. Yep, two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. He's got John Moxley. Who I am very excited for Cobb versus Moxley. God, what a fucking world! Like, yeah, that. Like, oh yeah, like oh yeah. By the way, we're gonna have Cobb versus John Moxley in, in the in the G one. That's gonna be so good. Naito, this is like the the most questionable match for Cobb. See, I think I'm totally far off, far apart from you on there. I'm really into Cobb versus Naito. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it's gonna be bad. I'm just saying like. Based on everyone else's in the in the in his block, that's like the roughest match for him is Naito. But like it's still probably gonna be great. He's got Juice. I think the Juice versus Cobb is amazing. Cause Juice is a major seller. Just get thrown around. Taichi and Cobb have already had a good match in the past. You know what I mean? Like so these are all people he's this is already everyone I've talked about he's familiar with. He's going to have good matches. But then the next guy is Shingo Takage, who he's never had a match with before, but it feels like the perfect guy to wrestle him. Mm. Jay White, which, like, again, it's another guy who's perfect for Cobb to throw around, and he sells his ass off. And then you got Yano, who's, mm. like, the, the comedy guy for the... the f- Cobb, and y- Cobb and Yano could be really yes, fun. Yes, exactly. And then Cobb, 
or and then Yano and everyone else can be really fun. So it's like the B block is perfect. Part of it is that Yano's in there, but it's also part of like a lot of guys who can work really well with everyone in the block. Like everyone mixes up super well here. You can have you can have White selling for Tai Chi, or you can have it go the other way. You can have Robinson selling for Tai Chi, or you can have it go the other way. You can have, you know, the guys who like feel like they should be the sellers have the the natural people for them to sell to. Then the people who like feel like who should be the the badasses have people that can sell for them, or they have the people that they can naturally sell to. So like, it works really well. The B block, I think, is set up more perfectly in that sense that you have like badasses and sellers and you have bad right. yeah so uh let me go first on this since you went first last yes, time yes. match i'm most excited for i think i think i'm gonna go shingo versus naito i think that's yes. the match i'm most excited yes. for if I had to pick a dark horse, though, I think my dark horse to be one of the best matches of the tournament is Jay White versus Ishii. Yes, yes, that's so. Yeah. So I so you like you, you obviously like you've seen me say this before is that whenever people talked about Jay White and Jay White having whatever issues and I, I think by this point Jay White is he hasn't had that big match yet. Like Okada did, or um, in twenty twelve versus Naito, that really solidified. Like, oh yeah, this is the guy that we can rely on in like a big main event spot. But Jay, for right now, was a really good upper tier heel. That's what he's good for. But if you look at Jay's style, it's real slow. It's real mean. It's real methodical. It's real violent. A lot of head drops. A lot of chops. A lot of talking shit. Uh, kicking someone while they're down and uh and uh jeering the audience and all that stuff doesn't that doesn't that sound perfect for Ishii? yes Ishii to come up there and just like get completely fucked up by somebody and this and this young punk is over here talking shit and he just gets up and just headbutts him right in the chin because Ishii's so short that all he can do is like just headbutt him like either like either like the chin or mouth Jay White and Ishii sounds completely perfect. Ooh. And while there are other matches that on paper, like Shingo versus Naito, like guy like those two guys are gonna go out there and kill each other. But if I looked at like a straight up match and guys that fit each other, there's nothing better than Jay versus Ishii, I think, in the block. Yeah. That's That's probably one hundred percent. We get a J versus we we get a J versus Juice rematch. Ooh. Damn. <laughs> so to me, this block is really tough to pick because there's so many phenomenal matchups here. But I think if I'm gonna do my like kind of match of the of the block, and I think I'm with you on this, I'm gonna do Jay versus Shingo as my match of the block, like without a question. I think that Shingo is probably the best kick-ass over-the-top guy, and Jay is definitely the best, like, underdog kind of... Not even underdog, but just, like, shitty. Like... He, he, he finds a way. Yes. The most, like, shitty, fucking annoying 
person. So I think that that mix can create the best storyline. My next Dark Horse, this could deliver match. I would, I want to go with Jeff, with Cobb and Moxley, but I don't think like that will be it. I think that it would be Cobb and Robinson. Juice mm. versus Jeff Cobb, I think, is the Dark Horse yeah. when it comes to Babyface getting thrown around by monster heel and i think Mm. that like that's the to me that's what could be the best so yeah i think that the b block is amazing in a lot of ways there's like again we talked i i talked about it before we started but like the mix of the b block for having people who are like the guys who are going to get thrown around versus the guys who are going to do the throwing is just done super well in this block with like a lot of people who and then you also have yano who can just sell his ass off or like i'm really excited for white for white versus yano white, i think that yes. can be super fun yano has a lot of great matchups here moxley moxley versus yano moxley, yano tai chi versus yano Cobb versus yano everyone versus yano all right let's talk all right let's all right so let's talk about tai chi yes um so the argument with the a block is that once you go to like archer Sonata, Evil, Fale, the the block gets shaky. And the B block, I get like you could say has more depth. I think the A block definitely has a lot has a higher has higher ceilings. Um, but you could say that top to bottom is probably like the more the more the more well round more well rounded block. Does I'm again not saying Tai Chi's bad, but are you expecting Tai Chi's matches to deliver? More than you're expecting, like Archer or Sonata or Evil or Fale's matches to deliver. I would expect Tai Chi's matches to deliver above Sonata for me personally. Mm. Archer is 50 50. I think that some of Archer's matches will be very good, some of Archer's matches will be very bad. So he's kind of like in the middle between the two or between both those guys comparatively. And then Fale, I guess Fale is like will also t- will, the same will Tai Chi really will Tai Chi really have a better tournament than Fale? No. Uh Yes, actually. Mm, Based okay. on his blocks. I think if I had to pick a Tai Chi match that I'm excited for, it'd probably be Tai Chi versus Juice. Okay. I think that could. I, I think that's like. The clearest heel face dynamic right. they have available in the block, and if Taiji just goes full shithead and Juice is complete valiant fighting babyface, that could be super fun. But do you not think Mox- that Taiji versus Moxley will be good? I was about, I was just about to say that. I don't know. That is a super shaky match to me, right? Because like, what do you do? Like, are we trying to are we gonna get Taiji trying to be an ass kicker here? Are they just going to go out there and beat the shit out of each other? Like, I don't know. I think that's why I really just can't say anything about that match if I'm excited for it or if I think it's going to be good. It's like, I don't, I have no clue what that match even looks like. Well, I think part of it too is that like for the B block, part of what makes the B block very solid for me is something that you stopped me from saying earlier, which is my prediction for the winner of the whole thing. Is that I think that Moxley wins the B block. And I honestly could see Moxley going undefeated in the B block. And I think that Moxley ends up winning the whole tournament. Because 
he feels like the star that that New Japan wants to get behind. I don't necessarily see them putting the IWGP title on him the same way that they did with AJ, but I do see them like pushing him as a top star coming out of this mm. and coming out of like just in general because he's probably the biggest star in wrestling. Like again, we talked about this before, but like I don't necessarily know that there's bigger stars in wrestling outside of WWE than Moxley. Like he was one of the biggest stars in WWE and now that he's not there, I still feel like he's a huge star. So I could see them putting having him win the G1 so I could see him beating everybody in this block. And that's why like stuff like a a, a Moxley versus really anyone in this in his block match could be interesting to see how he beats them. You know what I mean with his style. So mm. I guess the next step would be talking about what do you think? Who? What do you think? What do you see as the winners of the blocks? Um, I'm gonna give a real bare bones version of this because I do because I want to wait until we yes. do some uh, real predictions of how, where everyone winds up with G1 and all that stuff before the tournament starts. But right now, if I had to pick the final, you're gonna see. I'm still gonna go. Jay White versus Kota Ibushi. Okay. I think Jay White is due for a position where he has the great match. I don't think he's been put in that spot yet. I think everything has been establishing Jay White as a character and getting him hated and getting him over and all that stuff. And Jay's over now. I think now Jay has to go out there and have the great matches. And looking at how the blocks are set up and who's with who. I don't think it's a coincidence that Jay and Naito are together and they're the two biggest stars in the block. And well, I guess if you, like Moxley is, he's a champion and I don't know. I, I, I don't know what they're going to do with Moxley, but Jay and Naito were the biggest stars in new Japan at the moment. And, or in that block. And that very much seems like it would be the block decider. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we could see Jay and Ni- Jay and Naito go out there and have a really uh, long, possibly star-establishing match. And then the next night, we might see Jay go out there and do the same thing with Kota Ibushi. Yeah, that seems right. That makes sense. I see. And yeah. Jay hasn't gotten his title rematch or anything like that versus Okada. Usually they do give the previous champion some sort of rematch or whatever. Not always a not not a guarantee, but something they do they do revisit. And keeping Jay and Okada separate does make me feel like Jay White might be winning this G one. But that's that's where I'm at right now. I could change this by the time we do a full preview. Right. I can see that. I still I think that my block decider probably ends up being Moxley and Naito. I think that Moxley wins that. And I think that your final comes up to being Moxley and uh, Okada. Probably. No, no. Actually, I think Okada's going to be the champion. I think your final ends up being Moxley and Ibushi. Mm. And I think that Moxley wins it. another, Another match. Another match, but I can't really picture what that looks like. I know. I know. But I think we end up with Moxley and Ibushi as the final. I think that 
that Moxley wins it. And I think that we end up with the the main event of Wrestle Kingdom being Moxley versus Okada with Okada having the championship. Moxley loses to put over Okada. At that point, Moxley has been primarily undefeated. And uh, I think that, yeah, I, I really feel like that's where you go because it makes the most sense to me. Moxley feels like a big star. Feels like a guy that would be interesting. People would pay attention to. You've already got Jericho and and Tanahashi set up as the semi main, the undercard drawing match on the on Wrestle Kingdom. It seems like that makes a lot of sense to me, honestly. All right, so I definitely I definitely want to revisit that and get more into yeah as we continue how, all, how yeah. So I guess that's all that's all we got this week. Anything you want to say before we head out here? Um, no, nothing really. I mean. It feels good. We kept it. We're always trying to keep it tight. We kept it tight this weekend, so yeah, that's it for me. Yeah, under two hours, I'm actually impressed. Yeah. All right, well, nothing left to say here. We'll see you guys next week, and I think we'll just wind up doing whatever the fuck we feel like talking about. So get ready for that. Yes. It's just a dream, believe me, what is this?